Have you ever heard the expression, what's the tea? According to Urban Dictionary, it means when someone has gossip and you want to know every detail as soon as possible. So that's what this podcast is. Spilling the tea on what it's like to have cancer, or the big C, as a young person in Northern Ireland. Recorded in 2021 during the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, this podcast series is hosted by Laura, myself, from Young Lives vs Cancer, formerly known as Click Sergeant, and Helen, myself, from Cancer Fund for Children. We have come together to talk about cancer services in Northern Ireland and share the stories of the young people and families we support. There's a, there's a poem that I love um, called Footprints mm-hmm. um, and it really describes um, about how somebody is walking down the beach and um, they see across a dark sky scenes of their life flash and they're walking with God and um, when they see the, um, the dark times, the times that were tough, challenging and painful, um, they see that there is only one set of footprints in the sand and they say to God, God where were you at those times when I needed you the most? There's only one set of footprints and I was walking it alone and it's, it's God says to them that um, it was those times that he was carrying them and for me that's what, it, that's what it was, that's what cancer has been, it's been carried from the very beginning. This conversation was between Judith and Timothy about how faith has helped them through their diagnosis, treatment and some dark times. Judith was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was 21 years old while living in Edinburgh. Timothy was diagnosed with cancer when he was nine years old and has, in his own words, had several near-death experiences. At the time of recording this podcast, he's now 14 and continues to have ongoing treatment and hospital stays, all while keeping his trusted medical professionals on their toes with his quick wit and straight talk. They reflect on the impact cancer has had on their faith and the importance of living in the present. Just as a heads up, this episode includes conversation around death, which some listeners may find upsetting. We acknowledge what Judith and Timothy say in this podcast won't be a universal feeling or experience. However, ultimately, it is a conversation full of joy and faith in the midst of fear and uncertainty. Enjoy. So, Judith, I'm going to read something um, from a blog post that you have written, um, a really beautiful line, and ask you to maybe share a little bit more about it, if that's okay. Undoubtedly, cancer has changed me. Although at times it has been a difficult road to walk, God has carried me every step of the way. I feel that it has had a refining impact on my life, stripping me back to the things that are important and giving me a fresh appreciation for the blessings that are all around me. Yeah, um, so, yeah, cancer, it does, um, you, you, you go through it and you're, you are changed from it. Um, and um, I just, I feel that coming through it, that um, really God has been using it to um, strip back things that um, aren't from him and just to make me more into his image. Um, and so I'm grateful and thankful for that. Um I think when I say that um, God has carried me every step of the way, I look back on my journey and that has been really a tangible thing to me. Um, I see cancer as something that I couldn't have walked alone, um, that God has been carrying me. Um, I think of the getting my diagnosis and just the calm and peace that I had that um, didn't come from me at all. Um, it couldn't be explained by anything other than um, it was God that was there with me in that moment and just strengthening me and just um, assuring me that this was this was part of his perfect plan for me and um, I didn't need to worry, I just needed to rest in him. Um, there's, a, there's a poem I love um, called Footprints mm-hmm. um, and it really describes um, about how somebody is walking down the beach and um, they see across a dark sky scenes of their life flash and they're walking with God and um, when they see the um, the dark times, the times that were tough, challenging and painful, um, they see that there is only one set of footprints in the sand and they say to God, God, where were you at those times when I needed you the most? There's only one set of footprints and I was walking it alone. 
and it's it's God says to them that um, it was at those times that He was carrying them, and for me, that's what it, that's what it was. That's what cancer has been. It's been carried from the very beginning, and just um, a real um, not me at all. Um, just I know that it has been Him from start to end. So, um, wow. Thank you for sharing that. T- tell me this: What was your, um, or can you describe maybe your faith before you were diagnosed? Yeah, um, my faith. I grew up in Christian family, um, and um, throughout my life, um, my my faith has just been strengthened with different different things. Um, but I think back to seeing my dad kneeling beside his bed as a child, or uh, when I was a child, and praying, and that really struck me that. Um, faith was something that I needed to take seriously um, and just taking it on as my own that it wasn't my parents faith that this was um, between me and God um, and I I knew that I wanted to to have a relationship with God Um, and so um, different different things I went went to a a camp in in the States a Christian camp and I look back at it as something where my faith really grew Um, but I'd say that through cancer um, my faith has has continued to grow, and um, just uh, I know that I couldn't have couldn't have done it without my faith in God and without Him carrying me. So, and what about you, Timothy? Do you want to tell us a little bit about maybe faith before cancer or how cancer has impacted? I mean, faith? I've I've <coughs> through the all of the stuff I've gone through. There's always been like that presence there. Because, like, I've had multiple moments where, like, time to die. And then I've been like, wait, I'm not dead. How did this happen? Mm -hmm. So that's probably, like, the biggest kind of thing. Because there was one time I was, like, shaking, like, a lot because I just was really sick. And then me and mommy prayed and it just stopped for, like, a good whole, like, minute in the bit. I just stopped shaking and it was brilliant. Wow. My goodness. (coughs) That sounds like an awful lot you have been through. Mm -hmm. Um, If... And thank you for being so honest. But um, if you've had multiple moments where, and at a very young age, you mm. have then been faced with the reality that you could die. Time to kick the bucket. Yeah, indeed. That's <laughs> <laughs> one way to look at it. So, um, I mean, tell us a little bit then about how your faith has helped you through those moments. I guess, like, my parents are, like, my dad's a minister and all, so we've always like been good at just talking about that kind of stuff so I find that it's been easier to talk about it since all this started because it's been like it's more obvious that he is helping so that then in that way like it's easier to talk about it than it like might have been when I was younger I don't know if that makes sense but (laughs) makes sense to you (laughs) (laughs) very good okay and it's something so you were quite young when you were first diagnosed nine what was your faith like at nine, Timothy? Uh, I couldn't tell you. I can't even remember yeah. like that kind of time of my life. I know that like I had a faith though, because like we would have gone to church still and all that kind of stuff. But my faith definitely grew because of the cancer. I think. Ah, in what ways? Just because he was like we knew when he was helping, and then it made it obvious that he was there more. Like mm. you can pray about him and all, but sometimes it's like it's helpful to have like a. What's the word? Like a reinforcement of it by something happening that you know could have been awful, mm-hmm. but ended up being something brilliant. Wow. And we're a few years on now. So, how is your faith different now to maybe when you were first diagnosed? Um, just more. I don't. I don't know, like how to explain it properly. It's just more. It's more there. It's more there. I mean, I love that. <laughs> um, what about you, Judith? Um, I suppose in terms of are there any differences in your faith now um, to before you were diagnosed? Yeah, um, I'd say I'd say that my faith is stronger as a result. I think to have those times when I can look back on and I know that God really showed up um, when I needed Him to. Um, I think I've felt more loved than I've ever felt um, just by um, how God has showed up and just how he has um, surrounded me with um, the people that I've needed. Um, and just um, I think that surrender for me, um, a big 
theme of cancer has been surrender because um, as I was saying, like I, can't, I couldn't have done it in my own strength and that surrender to God's plan and um, to the fact that um, he is in control um, and that um, cancer um, was part of his perfect plan for me um, it didn't come out of the blue for him um, that was something that was a real just um, peace for me to know that um, God's not worried whenever whenever I got first diagnosed God wasn't worried um, it wasn't um, a surprise it wasn't um, a blip in the road um, he knew this was this was going to happen and so um, just that um, surrender to his plan and to knowing that um, my times are in his hands they're not in anything other not in anything that I do um, when he wants to call me home he will um, and his timing is perfect so I think definitely my faith has been strengthened as a result of going through cancer and to be able to look back on those times um, that were difficult, the dark nights, um, and to know that um, he, in the midst of it all, was with me and um, just given me peace and even joy in that times, which seems, um, how could you feel joy in, in, in such a, um, to the world, such a, um, a dreadful situation? But just um, joy in in the simple things, and my brothers coming over whenever and camping in my flat that night. I was diagnosed in Edinburgh, and just my brothers cracking the jokes and things like that. Um, that um, was completely God's hand over it all. So, wow, that is. Um, I think that's a really beautiful way of looking at things. Um, I can also imagine that that would maybe be uh, for some people hard to get their head around mm-hmm. um maybe that something so difficult and um traumatic being part of uh you know a plan for your life and mm-hmm. whatnot um whereas it's obviously been very reass- you know reassuring mm-hmm. to you um and i suppose one of the things we want to do in the podcast is just um explore these conversations and and um highlight as well some of the realities of what it's like to be diagnosed as a young person with cancer um and I suppose some of the dark times that you're maybe talking about, if you feel comfortable, maybe sharing what mm-hmm. some of those were, some of the really harsh realities of mm-hmm. um, what you've been through mm-hmm. for anyone that's listening. Um, I think even as Timothy, you're saying, just you're struck with the reality of life and death. I think as a young person, we yeah. take our youth for granted and we think we're going to live to we're 90 years old and we nearly feel like we're, I think the world portrays we're nearly entitled to that time, whereas cancer has shown me that um we're not it's a gift and um it was that first night things that you had taken for granted that you're going to get married all these things that you maybe assume that would be part of your life maybe maybe wasn't part of God's plan for me um or maybe maybe it was but um just it's uh showed me how I can't take things for granted um but I think just that there God was there with me in that um reassuring me that um if if he wanted me to live um longer I would and if not I wouldn't but it wasn't uh, it wasn't like life was going to be taken from me it wasn't that um it was going to be um like I had things that um I was supposed to have that haven't um God would give me all that was perfect in accordance with his plan for me, um, if that makes sense. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, cancer, it, it hits home with you. You get the statistics thrown at you with um, risk factors for for other cancers and um, all things like um, even topics for girls, like if you're going to be able to have kids or things like that, that um you maybe don't think you'd have to um consider maybe at that age um but um and for it is it's hard to hear but um for me that was where my faith really was um crucial and fundamental it was my rock and my anchor at that time because um I didn't have to worry about that um his plan is perfect and um would give me um what was right for right for my life so um I think just um although there are those difficult topics that come up um things that you maybe don't expect to have to contemplate or consider um for me it was faith knowing that um 
God's got that and um, he's not going to withhold anything from me that that is right um, so I just got to rest in that and just um, be um, resting in the present thankful for the gift of today um, appreciating the simple things that are around me um, breath in my lungs and um, energy to on the days that you're feeling active energy to go for a walk um, and I think that's what, that's the beauty of cancer that you can be stripped back to the simple things um, getting a fresh appreciation for um, the simple pleasures of life um, so Lovely. Timothy, what about you? The hard times. Mm -hmm. I find one of the hardest things is that, like, when you go through it all, you almost feel alone half the time. And then God being there is kind of like a a big hug around you. It's like you're not alone. But half the time it's like you feel just so alone because nobody else, like, other than people you talk to, like, like, from Cancer for Children or a Young Lives versus Cancer person, nobody else knows what it actually feels like and like other people definitely that we all take life for granted it's like but then for me it's like i could die tomorrow quite easily probably not while i'm on chemo but i probably could you never know i'd like to think i wouldn't <laughs> but yeah i think we'd uh, all like to think yeah <laughs> it, it, it can be really hard especially like because like going through a boomer transplant and all i had isolate for so long like miss so much school so then you're quite behind on it and then somehow I managed to not have to skip a year which was I'd say quite a feat wow. yeah. after missing probably a full year's worth of school through all the times I've been because of like six months probably on either end of the transplants while having tutors during it doesn't quite like reinforce you don't get all the knowledge you need to know so then some subjects I'll like struggle in like miles and all. Sometimes it takes me a, a bit longer than it used to to pick a subject up. And when you talk about f- it's quite a lonely experience sometimes, mm. um, what about maybe your family or friends? Were you able to, to talk to them about things? Uh, yes, or? but then I'm a teenager and I don't like talking to my parents <laughs> about things. <laughs> which so makes like it a lot harder. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, the pr- it's, it's honest. Yeah. Like, because... I don't like talking to my parents about stuff because then my mum has a habit of something called crying, which I don't like because I'm always the positive one. And when I'm sitting dying, I'm like, mommy, it's going to be okay. Not dying today. She's like, he's dying. Friends, it's a bit easier to talk to, I think, sometimes because they're like, they're your age and can't some of them understand it a bit more. So it's easier to talk to some of them. (coughs) Timothy. You can tell me where to go here, obviously very politely, but um, or if it's a no-go area, but because you've been so honest, when you're told you could die, mm-hmm. maybe quite bluntly, or you know, mm-hmm. given all that information, mm-hmm. what is going through your head? Every time I've been told I'm going to die, I've just been like, nope, no, I'm not. I'm just that cool. <laughs> It's like it, even if I'm told it, it doesn't mean I have to believe it mm-hmm. because usually I'm like, I will be perfectly fine. I've never, I've, with all the near death experiences I've had, I, ha- I still haven't died. I'd like to point that out. I am sitting here, I'm not a ghost. So there's definitely like, God has definitely saved me, I think, quite a few times from dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty incredible. Mm. Has it made you think about things like heaven? Is heaven something you think about? Uh, yes and no. Like, kind of. Like, in what way do you mean? Like, So I imagine if someone was sitting me down and talking about here's what's going on in your body right now, this is our situation, you could die. And there's a million and one thoughts maybe going on in your head. Maybe like Judith, that you were saying things that you think, this is what I'd thought for my life, this is what I had maybe planned myself. This mm-hmm. is... Um, and you're trying to balance that and the reality of your situation. So from a faith perspective, it's or what, th- what thoughts are you having? Or I guess uh, the first time I was ever told, my mind didn't immediately go to, yeah, I'm going to heaven. It went mm. to, I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then at other times I've just kind of just thought like if I did go to heaven, it wouldn't really be the end of the world because I'd see everyone I want to see again at some point. Mm. So like I'd be like, See you later. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I really like that thought, to, to, <laughs> to be honest. Um, what about you, Judith? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think um, I, I believe that we're only passing through here. Um, and so um, when God wants us to call us home, he will. Um, but it's knowing that the best is yet to come. Um, is what's exciting and as you're saying Timothy all the people that we want to see um, but uh, yeah this we're, we're not we're not we know we're not going to be here forever um, we'll all leave and die from this life um, on here on earth um, so I think um, it's it's a reality of life that, that we will um, die at some stage um, but uh, I think it's um, just being um, knowing that the the best is yet to come. Do you think as well? So let's be honest, as uh, young people, these aren't the regular conversations you're having by any means. Um, <laughs> Unless it's with my parents, in which case it's half the regular conversation. Exactly. <laughs> it's either my parents being super deep, very vague, or grumpy. Oh. And then the odd time they can be fun and exciting, but that's a very rare time. <laughs> but it does happen sometimes, so fair play to them for sometimes being fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel as a teenager that's quite a big compliment, maybe. So yeah, yeah. depends. <laughs> depends on what mood I'm in. <laughs> My goodness. Um, but yes, they're not the regular conversations you're having. Mm. Have you found people have? shied away from having some of those conversations or I mean I shy away from having some of the conversations sometimes yes tell me more about that Timothy I mean it's not always an exciting thing to talk about like absolutely it's like how often do you talk about the times you have nearly died then my parents always find a way to bring it up in every church service it's like there were times when Timothy was dying and we always felt the presence and I'm like yes I know I felt the presence too you don't need to talk about it every day <laughs> Is that that is an interest? It's come up before in different conversations about people talking about um, obviously having experienced something it was very real for them, but also wanting to move on from it or move forward from mm. it, and whether other people are ready to move forward from it. Yeah, because I find that I, I live every day as it is, not living in the past. Whereas mm. I find my parents definitely like my parents and my friends all live in like you nearly died, not he's alive now. Wow. Almost, because like I live as if I'm living, mm -hmm. and sometimes my parents and my friends are like, "You're alive now, but you might not be." I don't like to think of that. I like to think of, "I am alive." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a strange way of saying it, I think. But like, if you understand that, it, it makes sense. I mean, I know. I well, I'm just thinking back to what Judith said earlier about resting in the present, which I wrote down because mm -hmm. I thought there's definitely something about faith giving you that that appreciation for the here and now mm -hmm. rather than what's happened or what will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you find it, so you were saying there about, uh, you know, you're not living in the past, you don't want to live in the past. Mm. Do you think very much about the future? Depends on who I'm talking to. Because there's some people I talk to about the future. And it's not necessarily my friends or family. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Judith? Yeah, I think thinking about the future is something that um, uh, I think I don't want to go back to or um, I feel that cancer has helped me appreciate today and how today is a gift and I don't want to take tomorrow for granted. So yes, um, God wants us to plan for things, but at the same time I want to hold lightly to that, knowing that tomorrow is only if God wills it and I don't want to lose sight of that. Um so it's being present, being excited for what may continue to come, but ultimately keep my eyes on eternity, knowing that um, that I could go home tomorrow and um, just rejoicing that knowledge that um, God's plan is perfect. Um, so, um, yes. I, I find that um, I think half the time it's harder for my parents because I don't even remember the harder times because I've been like, ramped up on morphine or something like that yeah. and then my parents see me at my worst but I see myself just chilling oh, half the time it's like I'll actually be like really close to death and I'll just be like la, da, 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 and they'll be like he's dying but I'm, I'm 
to me, I'm perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, when was it last? June. I was in hospital and my blood pressure was like, I'm going to go down as far as I can. Yeah. And then I had like four ICU doctors in my room like, we're going to bring you to ICU if it, if it goes down any further. And I barely felt different. I just felt slightly weird. Oh. Like I didn't feel we- that bad at all. My blood pressure was like, you feel bad. You feel very bad. <laughs> and I was like, I don't feel bad. Don't take me there. I like this room. There's a TV. <laughs> All the important things. <laughs> there was a Star Wars battlefront in the TV. I had to continue playing it. Yeah. And in the end, my blood pressure went up because they gave me like a liter and a half of like ec- like emergency fluids. And then I played my Switch. And usually playing a game gets my blood pressure up as well. Because anytime I get my blood pressure taken, I make sure I'm playing a game just in case it happens to be low, it's not as low because I'm playing it. Ah, <laughs> that's the real reason. <laughs> um, that must be so frustrating. I would imagine, though, if someone's telling you you're really not well or this is critically low and actually you kind of don't feel that different. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably because I feel so bad that I don't feel different. Mm. Because, like, I could... Like, you know, like, if you're hurt so badly... You sometimes don't even feel it for a while. Like if someone shot you in the arm, you'd be like, oh. And then 10 seconds later, you'd be like, ah. I was going to say your pain threshold's far better than mine. (laughs) I feel like I might not. (laughs) But the shock of it kind Mm. of stops. Yeah. I've heard a few young people say that frustration of when they actually feel okay, but maybe the um, doctors are saying otherwise and trying to balance between looking after yourself. Especially when you have a student doctor in or like... Like the night doctors are definitely not the doctors who are used to talking to you. Because if I had had like Bethany or someone like that there, I would have been, they would have known if I was actually in danger. In the end, they called Doc at 3 a.m. to tell him to come in. And then, like, as he was walking in, my blood pressure went up again. And then he came in, he's like, Well, you don't look sick. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, I don't feel that sick either. And then he turns <laughs> to the other guys, like, he doesn't look sick. Why did you bring me in? Well, his blood pressure was very low, but he doesn't look like it now. <laughs> like, Doc knew I was fine as soon as he came in. He's like, I will just send him home tomorrow. And you're just keeping them, keeping them all on their toes, basically. Yeah, I'm just making sure they're all active as soon as an important yeah. person walks in. Nope. Nothing was ever <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Not um, that they aren't all important. They are, are all obviously. important. But the, the higher tier one. The one who got me this phone. Oh? Mm-hmm. What, your consultant got you your phone? It was like... You can't have a Motorola. We need to get you a better phone. And then he just got me a better phone. I mean, that's the sort of consultant you want yeah. right now. I was going to say, do you have a mobile phone from your consultant? No, definitely or? not. And then um, Bethany's done brilliant things as well. Like, she's just, she's she, she's a lot like, she and Sinead, I find her brilliant because Sinead's very, like, realist. Okay. And Bethany's slightly, <coughs> like, that is dreamist the right word? Like, she, like... I think she's like me. She thinks there's more to life, like, to doing things than there is. Like, I'll say, can I go to a swimming pool? And she's like, sure, why not? And then Sinead's like, no, you should not go to a swimming pool. And then the end, usually Sinead wins because my mom's (laughs) usually on Sinead's side. Uh. And then I'm the child. I don't get any choice, obviously. So as as much input as I have, I'm not the one who can drive me to a swimming pool. (laughs) Like, if I want to go to a swimming pool, my mom has to drive me there. Yeah. And then I have to convince her to drive me there. And, like, that doesn't usually happen. Because okay. my, my mum's, like, a strong a stronger will as I have. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm a very stubborn person by nature. While Helen's sitting here really? shaking her head very <laughs> vigorously. Yes. I wouldn't, I don't know, I'd say stubborn. Uh, Timothy, you haven't seen you me on a bad day. Very strong-minded. It's the exact you know same thing. You, 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 you know what you want. Yeah. And you're not afraid to ask for it, which mm-hmm. I think is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, girls out there, hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> well, this podcast is changing direction, so, uh, but, you know, fair play. Um, I find that really um, interesting, mm-hmm. even you talking about y- kind of your medical team and your experience with them there, Timothy. Um, mm-hmm. And... I suppose that it sounds like uh, the two balance each other out maybe a yeah, little bit. definitely. What I love um, from hearing about that is that you're able to have those conversations though. Do you feel like they um, very much, I suppose, they're upfront with you and yeah, no, uh, it's I, a conversation I, if they that happens? If they aren't upfront with me, then I get grumpy with them. Okay. 
because like if if they tell me like something that definitely isn't like the full truth like it, the, the worst thing is that when you're sitting in a hospital room and a doctor brings your parent out of the room is the worst feeling in the world okay other than a girl breaking your heart but it's the worst <laughs> feeling in the world because you don't know what's happening mm-hmm. so like in one day and said, Catherine, can I talk to you outside the room? And I was sitting here, like, sweating. And he comes in with a phone in his hands, like... <sighs> <laughs> but the way I felt that when Mummy was out of the room talking to him, was like, am I going to die at the moment? Am I very dead? And yeah. then and then he came in with the phone, and was like, huh. So I, now Beth, Beth and Engineer are very good at just, just coming into the room and talking to Mummy and me, because they know that it's me that I want to hear more. Because mm-hmm. if I'm... I don't like my parents telling me things because then they always cry. Okay. So it's easier for a doctor to. Timothy talked about there, obviously, about his experience in hospital and mm-hmm. maybe with um, uh, some medical professionals and, and whatnot. Um, I suppose just to throw it back to you, if there mm-hmm. was anything um, in terms of your experiences that way that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, I think... Hmm... Well, I was my one of my stints in hospital would have been during COVID, um. So I was in hospital by myself, um. So it's harder to get information by yourself, um. It's it's better when you have family around you, um. But uh, yeah, I think, um, the medical team that I've come in contact with have been great and lovely, um. So, um both experiences in hospitals in Edinburgh and back home in Northern Ireland have been um, really good. Um, just I think COVID has been a different kettle of fish in that um, it's not the norm that would be you'd usually have um, family around you, but um, that's that's grand, that's that's fine. Um, you just keep going forward and so, yeah. yeah, and hopefully things are changing now with for people yeah. that... Um, it won't continue to be like that um, because definitely it is good to have um team around you and then different people like that when you have nurse specialists um that are there to support you as well. It's great that you have it's a team. Brilliant. You know when a consultant comes in they're like expecting to talk to you for 15 minutes for a quick checkup and then we're there two hours later. That's when you know there's a true bond between <laughs> you. Absolutely. can imagine you there for two hour long appointments yeah. to be honest, Timothy. Mm-hmm. Um I also love the fact that you're able to be open with them and talk to them and I think it's really important for young people to feel like they have, you and know, get grumpy with them. Their, and that too, mm-hmm. um, that they have their person or they know that should they have any worries or anything concerning them, they can, mm-hmm. yeah. they can go straight to that person. Yep. Sounds like as well from some of what you were saying, you know, in terms of your experience of what you've gone through and maybe then your, for instance, your parents' experience of what's happened as well have been quite different. It's very, very different. Cause mm-hmm. It's like, if you look through a set of VR goggles, like mm-hmm. I'm looking through my life on a set of VR goggles and my parents have it off a filter. They've got no filter and I've got a filter on my life. So I see it in a much better light than pretty much everybody else sees it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that, um, so that positivity that you're talking about and moving forward and wanting to have that um, positive attitude um, that your faith really helps with that process mm-hmm. yeah probably because like I don't think I'd be as positive as I am there's certain verses in the bible that like make you feel more positive I have this one friend we, me and her would send like verses to each other to just make each other feel good would your church community be like good yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. you'd be very active in it yeah I'm the tech guy me and my brother are the we have seats now that say tech team on them I'm very proud of that nice because i'm the cameraman and mike is the press button on computer person they're important <laughs> people it's a lot of fun in church and then my dad my dad does a quite good job when he's doing his sermons with keeping me like entertained with it because some other men, like other ministers will come in and their themes will be a lot not darker but like heavier and then sometimes I can pay attention. Like my granddad's really good at keeping my attention as well because he was a minister. But there's some come in and I just don't understand what they're saying at all. <laughs> and I feel bad about that sometimes because I'm like, I'm paying attention. But I just, they can't keep my attention. But then my dad will do something exciting and it'll keep my attention. Like, <laughs> Yay. Well done, Ross. Mm-hmm. Well done, Ross. Good job. 
Um, Judith, would you be involved in a church community? Yes, um, I grew up in a church in Market Hill, um, but I'm actually, um, so I've started going to a church with my brother up in Belfast, um, and I think with COVID, it's kind of harder to get involved with um, church communities with masks and things and um, things that would be on during the week typically and um, maybe aren't at the minute with small groups doing Bible studies during the week. But I'm um, hoping to come September time, get plugged in more um, to the church community because um, I see that it's not just uh, um, somewhere where you go on a Sunday. It's really um, it's a community of people that um, do life with you um, mm-hmm. and they're there through the week and um, there for the, the mountaintops and the valleys and um, the good times and the bad. Um, so um, I really see the importance of that. Um, actually, when I lived in Edinburgh um, for three months, that's where I was diagnosed. Um, I uh, I was involved with a small group there, and each small group had adopted parents. Um, so I had um, Ruth and Dave were my adopted parents, and um, I actually, when I was on holidays in Scotland last week, I um, met up with Ruth and Dave for dinner, which was lovely um, because really is it's a church family and they um they were praying for me throughout um throughout the past um year and things so it's been a real encouragement to me to to have them there um walking it with me so yeah how lovely sure it was so nice to see them yeah it was yeah so timothy you um had something pretty exciting going on recently do you want to tell us about that about the baptism yeah um, I got baptised. There you go. Full Ooh. information disclosed. What does that mean <laughs> for if there's anyone maybe listening um, that doesn't actually know what it means to be baptised? You get dunked <laughs> underwater by someone you choose to dunk you. It there we go. And <laughs> the, the like meaning of it would be to like go down with sin and come up with not sin. With new life. Yes, there you go. That's what I was looking for, but I couldn't remember what the size of said something else. <laughs> you get dunked. Yeah, I like that. Short and sweet. Well, and I have a video of it. I almost didn't get dunked because automatically my head was fighting to stay above the water because I'm getting dunked. And my uncle and then my friend Heather is like, Heather was the one baptizing me and my uncle was helping because um, like, you need two people sometimes. And I'm going under. And then we're... At the, we're at the castle well on lake, right? And then there's steps in the water and we're standing on like almost like a step below the lowest and they go to dunk me and my uncle basically falls in the water <laughs> and then they're still trying to dunk me and my head's like pushing to stay above the water and then I, I did get the whole full, full face on the water but it all in the video it shows it but like to my friends it looked like I hadn't actually gone under. My whole face was wet though so I had... And my uncle was more soaked than I was, I think, because, like, he went under for, like, a few seconds and I was just done up. Needing life jackets on or something. <laughs> Bro, why did you make the decision to get baptised? Just felt like it. It was probably God telling me to, but I felt like it. That was, like, me. I was just like, it is time to get baptised. And then Castle Wellen is a place that, like, every year we have, like, a wee Christian holiday camp there and it's brilliant. And I have a few wee friends that I enjoyed spending lo- loads of my time with. And I thought it was just as good a place as any to do it. So I'm sure that was was an emotional experience for you. That's all the time I think. Yeah, because we were doing loads of singing and I was so scared that I couldn't even sing. Like I was just sitting here going... Couldn't get words to come out. Yeah. And then there was this bit where like I was being asked questions about it, like a and a And I was like, I'm bringing a chair because it's more comfortable to talk to people from a chair than stand yes. up. Because yeah. I'm like standing here, I couldn't do this podcast standing up. Probably, it's like there's something about it. I'm more comfortable sitting down, so I did all that, and then I get to the actual bit of being dunked. I'm like, ah. and then I got dunked, and it was fine. But I was, oh. I'm petrified of getting my head wet. Not uh. like wet, but like I don't getting like getting my head underwater unless it's a swimming pool. In which case, I'll like hang on to like steps and then lower myself into the water like as deep as I can go. Nice. Which is always very fun. Method to the madness. Blast myself up to the oh, surface. Uh, so that was a significant experience for you <coughs> in your faith life. Definitely. Very good. Um, do you guys have any, I suppose, like spiritual role models or people that you look up to or have really, I suppose, stood out for you in 
I suppose life so far and what you've gone through and my dad and my granda both are ministers and they're good at that brown I'd say probably my brothers my mum and dad um and um uh, there's a, a guy from camp he's a camp director um him and his wife Erin and Rebecca they um really I look up to them a lot as well um they practice hospitality like I haven't seen before um and just they love really well um always have time for you um I think that's one thing that they um they really want to listen and take a real genuine interest in your life um so and they love the Lord they're on fire so um probably them as well yeah uh one of the things that uh I think I know both of you have maybe done at times um throughout uh the the journey you've had with cancer um is like uh worship nights or mm. i know judith you've spoken before about the night you were diagnosed mm. and mm-hmm. family coming over and yeah. that actually being a really peaceful yeah. experience yeah. um i think when i was first diagnosed um I had to just and you had to lay it down i couldn't couldn't carry um just the weight of um by myself I had to just lay it down and leave it in God's hands and for me the way to do that was just in prayer and just in worship and um worship is something that um we're called to do it's something that um is for God because he's worthy of all our praise um but the beautiful thing about it is that in return um God um uses it to bring healing and peace and joy and I just had a really strong sense um, the night that I was diagnosed that um, a real need to just praise God, um, just thanking him and um, just lifting my hands in worship. And um, we're all um, in my flat and that was just like a really sweet memory um, that I look back on when we're um, just praising God together um, because um, God just um, tangibly gave us joy in that time. Um, so, yeah, worship for me is really important. And, and I think back to the times in hospital as well, and you're maybe sitting in hospital by yourself, um, just having that music, worship music going on in the background um, was really good and um, just really encouraging. And the lyrics, uh, there, I have a couple of songs written down that have been really key to me throughout um, my journey. And... Um, one of the times in the hospital, I, c- I couldn't understand why um, why um, I'd, I'd come through treatment, but I was in hospital again, and um, the lyrics of, of the song were, even when I don't understand, I'm still in the palm of your hands, even when I don't understand, still I'll praise you. Um, for me, those lyrics were just so poignant to what I was feeling right there in that moment that I didn't understand, but I didn't need to understand, and I was going to praise God regardless because he is good. Um, another song is um, I'll Give Thanks um, by House Fires um, and it just talks about in the morning you sing over me and as I woke um, in that time of waiting before getting diagnosed and um, just you could feel the weight on you but I just as I woke I knew that God was singing over me um, and um, it talks about how I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough because he's more than enough um, God's not worried, so why do I worry? And just singing those lyrics over and over again, God is not worried, so why do I worry? Um, was so liberating and freeing to me because I, by nature, probably would tend to be a worrier. My granny, Black, was a notorious worrier. My mum was a worrier. <laughs> granny, actually, mum got into this car accident once, and um, it was a minor accident, and Granny fainted on the telephone hearing it, and she <laughs> got a black eye. She fell and hit the, the telephone table, and everyone thought it was her that was in the car accident. <laughs> but um, no, so... It's um I'd probably by nature tend to be a worrier, but for me that's what was so striking about my journey that I knew that it wasn't me and God from the very beginning because I wasn't worried and I knew that he had it and he had me in the palm of his hand and so no matter what was to come, whether what the news was, what the prognosis or diagnosis, I knew that God was good and his plans for me were good and I had so much to rejoice for and so much to give thanks for and I just um, could rest on that. So worship for me was huge and continues to be huge and it's um, just I just praying going forward now through cancer that my life would be a song to God um, because... I have so much to be, give thanks for and I, I don't want to 
um, ever be quiet about it um, because um, God is good and he's faithful. So, yeah. Amazing. What I also love about that, I have to say, is the the realness of it's not always easy you yeah. know like you do ask why you know it's yeah. just maybe because you have a you have your your faith in it and mm-hmm. it gives you a lot of peace and mm-hmm. a lot of joy yeah. doesn't mean that actually um life's then rosy and yeah. it's easy and like then that's, that's what it says like in the bible like god says that we're not gonna have an easy trouble and hardship but it's we know it's gonna happen and um, like that's the fallen world um it wasn't um that's that's part of life, um, but the the thing is that God is with us, carrying us there through it, giving us the peace, the strength, the joy that we need, um, right in the midst of it all. Um, and I think also, like, um, as Christians, we can think God doesn't want me to ask why is this happening or why if it's if I ask those questions, it's that God would be angry with me. But that's not the case. Um, God is gentle and patient, and His patience never runs out. Um, unlike my patience. <laughs> um, but um, I think like we're called to ask those questions. Um, David in, in the Bible cried out to God um, in times of um, trouble and times of despair and Jesus himself on the cross cried out to God um, and I think that we are called to just be real with God and tell him how we're feeling and, and if we don't understand um, to ask for his understanding and um, to ask for his perspective and like as you're saying t- Timothy like that positive attitude that comes from God that enables us to have that different perspective on cancer that shift of perspective from seeing it as something negative and something that we want to leave behind that we want cancer well in the past um but actually to see no this this was it part defines of me yeah like no, yeah yeah well knowing that like um how god can use it for good you know it's it's part of our journeys and um he can use it to be able to relate to people in a way you've never been able to relate before or to empathize like you haven't been able to before um, and just that fresh appreciation and joy for life that cancer has definitely helped me gain um, just a real energy for wanting to seize the day and um, just um, not take time for granted see that life is fleeting and that I could go home tomorrow so in this time that God has blessed me with today how am I going to use it am I going to use it to, to serve him um, that's my prayer that I would I, I just pulled up a song and then it disappeared. One of the songs that ah, mm. I, I was listening, you know, I do I know. listen. Because um, I, like the Castlewell and Holiday Week thing mm-hmm. again, two years ago they have a worship night for the sector one, so the uh, years, eight to ten people. And I was in year eight then, and this song, Glorious Day by Passion, is mm. really good because it was like, you can read it out. Like I, I find that it was very struck a chord. Ah, so if I it says you called my name, then I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day. Mm. Now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new, Jesus. When I met you, wow, what a day! Mm. Mm. I wow. love that. I, I think I think it's a brilliant song. Yeah. Is worship away, Timothy? You would also, I suppose, connect with your faith and yeah, mm. I would say so. To I suppose to either finish up, if there was um, a young person listening that has maybe been diagnosed, or maybe even a family member, and you could, um, if there was any advice you could offer them, encouragement. Is there anything you wanted to share? Be positive. I'd probably say to ask the questions um, that, that are on your heart. Um, I think cancer brings up a lot of questions like um, what is the meaning of life and why am I, I here? Um, and um, I think um, it's so important to ask those questions and not bottle them up um, and to seek God in them because I believe that um, when we truly seek God that we'll find him. Um, so I think um, I'd say ask the questions and, and don't... Um, think that um, God doesn't want to hear what you have um, for him um, to ask um, I think just lay down your emotions because God is big enough for our emotions and he understands um, I think there are times when I would be um, crying or things and I just I'd feel almost disappointed with myself for those emotions but knowing that 
God is with me in that very moment um, and he weeps with us and understands. Um, so I'd say to ask the questions and then also um, I'd say if you are a Christian um, to really um, strike up a good um, playlist of worship music um, because for me worship was key and to just spend time just basking in God's presence um, because there is no better rest or healing that we can that we can experience than just being in God's presence and um, so I'd say that and um, yeah just also to, to reach out to other people and to share to not bottle things up um, God provides people in our lives um, for that very purpose of um, being able to just share with them like for me my mum um, was with me from the very beginning um, of this journey and she, she walked it every step of the way every appointment and um, so I would say to just um to yeah share with the people you love and that you know love you um so um yeah this would be what i'd say the the playlist music playlists are a really good thing just like even ask your friends and your family what like like christiany songs they find really strikes a chord in their heart Mm -hmm. and put it in a playlist because i find that then you see lots of different personalities coming out within the music Mm. beautiful timothy you referenced having shared some uh, Bible verses with a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind sharing maybe one sure. of these? That so the one, the one she, this one is God never allows pain without a purpose, which is Isaiah 66 verse 9. I will not cause pain without allowing something new to be born. Lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Judith. You had referenced a lovely poem earlier on um, called Footprints. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be brilliant if you wouldn't mind reading that for us. Yep. Um, so it reads, One night I dreamed a dream. I was w- as I was walking along the beach with my Lord, across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed across, flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you, never ever, during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Fabulous. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you to Judith and Timothy for sharing your stories and thank you so much to the National Lottery Community Fund for funding this podcast as part of our Together We Thrive project and enabling us to share these stories. If you'd like to get in touch with either Young Lives vs Cancer or Cancer Fund for Children, our contact details are in the description of this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the tea.